morning, good morning. We are glad you are here. If you don't feel better after that, if you don't feel better after that, then I don't, I don't even know if the prayer team can help you. You just get in the presence of God. You know, God fixes everything, doesn't he? You get in his presence, and it is not an overstatement when the Bible says mountains just melt like wax. You just forget about all the things that keep you up and stress you or whatever, and it just fades away in his presence. Oh, that's so good. He reminds us of that. Announcements. First, we have a family movie night. It is August 9th. It is going to be here at the church and auditorium. It will be from 6.30 to 8.30. This is a great time to hang out with the kids, the grandkids. You cannot make it any dirtier than it was this week. So we're going to pop popcorn and hang out. But this week, we had camp. 60-plus kids Tuesday through Friday. There was even Pastor Stephen was covered in glitter. I didn't want to be, but that's just the way it was. So we had a great camp. We'll be doing a slideshow next week, but I want to show you. This is some of the kids right here. And this was a volunteer run and a kid run camp. So many of the older kids helped out and did things and dramas and all of that. We had a great, great time. I want to thank you. If, In fact, if you are here and you volunteered for the week in any capacity, please stand up. Please stand up. Give them a hand. <laughs> what, Michelle? Um, excuse me, children's director, Kellen, what are you doing? You didn't stand up. By many hands, the work of God is done. And this is why I want to say this. Some of you weren't here. You can't. You got work and life and all those things. You're older. You did this for 20 years. You don't want to do it anymore. But because you're involved in a local church, because you give to a local church, you were. You weren't even here, but you were doing ministry. You paid for those things. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to be able to, what an honor it is to be able to give to the kingdom. All right, so that's what's going on, family movie night, and then we had camp all week, and it was great. I was coming in here for camp. They had small groups. They would have kids in, and I didn't do anything but, like, make coffee and greet the the moms and stuff. They did everything else. They were doing prayer in their small groups. They had Bible lessons. They had the gospel proclaimed to them proclaimed to them, but I loved to listen to them in their small groups, going around praying for what was going on for the day in their life. It was discipleship. It was discipleship, and it's a beautiful thing. All right. Well, let's learn something new from the Word of God. Let's honor the Word of God as we strive to do every single week here. Second Kings chapter 4. Second Kings 4. We're going to read 18, 8 through 17. This is Elisha, not to be confused with Elijah. Elisha had the double portion. Elisha was mentored by Elijah. We picked this story. Elisha had twice as many miracles as Elijah had, and we're going to read one of them. End our series in seasons. This is the last week we're going to do it. And let's look at this. Before we jump in, let me set this up. This is in Shunem, in between Carmel and Uh, Jerusalem, where Elisha traveled back and forth constantly. He was like a circuit minister. Remember, the presence of the Lord wasn't everywhere. It rested on people, and it was in God's temple. Um, So it, it it was much more localized, and it set upon this particular man. This woman is not a, which was news to me, she is not a foreigner. Don't let the might throw you off. I just thought all the mites, you know, the, the Amorites, the whatever the might or ites are, I thought they were foreigners, but that's not true. This lady is from the tribe of Issachar. 
So let's jump into this. 2 Kings 4.8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman or a respectable woman, a successful woman. She must have been reading Proverbs 31. And she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And as and she said to her husband, look now. That this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us. He can turn in here, in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned in to the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of, an ar- of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. Look, I'm good. I'm just here serving the Lord. I'm happy to be here. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he, so he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway And he said, about this time next year, you will embrace a son, a word of wisdom wrapped in a prophecy. About this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elijah had told her. It's a wonderful story full of promises and blessings and good relationships and all of those things. But how did this woman get to that point? How did she spend have one-on-one time and the ear of the, the most mighty man in Israel, mighty man of God in Israel at the time, how did that happen? How did she get to that season? Well, let's look at this and let's learn some things. You've got some notes. Let's look at this. There was a notable woman who persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat. This great miracle, this prophecy, this life-changing event. And you have children, it's life-changing. All of this happened very small, didn't it? It all happened just because she said, you know what? I've been watching this man pass by. He's on a mission. I can tell he's a man of God. And I'm just going to do whatever I can do to help him. It's a lot of walking. 20 miles sometimes he would walk in one day. He wasn't a young man at this time, but that was his route. Now, where she was, where it was on mile two or mile 10, I don't know. It was probably closer to mile 10 because she would give him some food. Of course, a man is going to turn aside when someone's cooking something. There's going to be, there's going to be, he'll, he'll stop there. He doesn't have to hear from the Lord. But it was very small the way this harvest happened, as all harvest starts with a seed. Number one in your notes. Small habits done often, done often make the biggest differences. What does it say here? As often as he passed by, she would just have something to eat there. Just have something cooking like grandma always had. Did you ever go to grandma's house and there wasn't something on the stove? 
It's like she has just 365 days a year, grandma has something on the stove. That's the way it was. She knew you were coming. She didn't. She always had something prepared. That was common in our culture, the previous generation, and especially the boomers. Let me tell you why. Because, remember, they grew up with no cell phones, communication. Was it common for your grandmother, great-grandmother, to have people show up show up unannounced? Yes. Y'all, yes, we don't do that now. That's rude now. No, that culture, they had friends. You showed up unannounced. It was normal, right? I was like, yeah, this was this culture too. She was prepared doing all the little things in case she needed to be ready. The scripture being ready in season and out of season. She got to miracles. She got to word of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy by doing little things often. There's a, a book that came out last year. It's been a very popular book. It's a secular book but it's been praised by um, pastors. I watched a video conference on it. And let me just show you the title right here. It's called Atomic Habits. Tons of books written on habits, you know, all those kind of things. This one is different. It's shot to the New York Times bestseller list because it showed changing your life and having good habits in a very different way. And this is what it is. Uh, James Clear wrote it. An easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. The way he did it is not making any big changes. Let me just show you a picture from the book. This is a picture. What he asserts is, don't try to change everything. You want to be someone who can walk two miles a day? Don't get out and try to walk two miles today. Walk a half a mile for a week. He says, all you have to do to make major changes in your life is to do small things very often. Now, this is a math problem, but I checked with a math teacher. She said it was right. 1% a day change by the end of the year, you've changed your life almost 40%. Now, if you could be 40% in better shape or 40% of anything, you would take it, right, in one year? This guy is simply tapped in and realized it's right here first. It's always right here first. This woman said, you know what? I'm just going to do something small every day. As often as he came by, she had it there and ready. Just this little thing every day is what made huge differences in her life. And it is the same in our life. If you want to change in season, start doing something small every day. You know why we the, the fear and the overwhelming feeling of not being able to change is because we, we think we have to do it all at once, right? One percent once a day by the end of the year. Look at that. Now, in the green, if I could have a 40% bigger bank account, by 1% changing, right? That would be good, wouldn't it? Let me show you this in Scripture, in the reverse. Song of Solomon 2, 14 and 15. Look at this. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cleft, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, your face is lovely. Somebody just got married, or getting ready to be married, right? They ain't been married no 10 years, huh? Their wife's honeymoon phase. Y'all with me? It gets better, guys, ladies. It does. When you get, but th- this is, this is, some, this is the, the last three minutes of the romantic movie. It's like, okay, great. It's good, but it's not reality. Watch. This is obviously uh, Solomon and his young bride, the Shulamite, his first love before all the mess. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. Make sure that 1% a day goes the right way and not the wrong way. Because why? 
for our vines have tender grapes. We're young, we're inexperienced in life, it's early in this marriage, and the wise Shulamite woman says, hey, let's get 1% better a day and we'll be fine. Because she knew it was the small foxes on those young vines. Right? That's the picture of small habits done often make the biggest differences for the good or for the bad. Amen? Let's keep looking here. We're back in 2 Kings. So she just starts off being faithful, doing small, whatever she can do. And then so she's been feeding them every time, and she goes, well, I've been feeding them a lot. Verse 9. Let's take it a step farther. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God. Do you hear the wisdom in her words? I didn't make a rash decision. I just served faithfully and watched him. I just said, you know what? Let's see how this thing plays out and goes. And she didn't know everything about him. But after time and time, she goes, this is a big season for me if I can cash in on it, if I can capitalize on this. Because this can be a game changer for me. This holy man of God who passes by us regularly, please let us, that's some honor to her husband, even though it says she's a notable woman, it seems to be that she's the one who has the savvy business mind, her husband's old. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall, which was common in that culture, so he could have like a efficiency apartment, so he could enter from the outside without having to go into their house. And let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. Get it all ready for him. So wherever he comes, he may come to us and he can turn in and spend more time here. Now remember, the presence of God was not everywhere. And in fact, this wasn't a spiritual golden age in Israel. It was much more concentrated. It's the way God works in history. There'll be huge national revivals, church revivals, or whatever, and then there will be smaller concentrated wells, but there will always be water to drink. He is a faithful God. It may not be raining everywhere spiritually, but there will always be deep wells that never run dry, and they're always to be found in a local church, in godly friends, in godly education. Find them. Amen? And she said, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it, and in fact, I'm going to get it to flow right through my house. Number two on your notes, be intentional to welcome God's presence. God's presence isn't somewhere, either with a person or in a place, by accident, right? Oh, it was such good worship this morning. Oh, it was such good worship. It was such good worship. The worship team was here early. They were praying. They were practicing. Taylor was here. We have our prayer time in the morning. And I put on a little music, and we just, we just prep and pray. And I, I thought at first he had fallen asleep. Okay, where are you, Taylor? Where'd you go? I don't know where he went. but he, I thought he had fallen asleep for a minute. But he had laid himself out on the altar here, just praying. The presence of the Lord is intentional. Amen? So we as Christians say, all right, Lord, what can I do to get the presence of God in my life, in my home? Oh, you missed it, Taylor. 
Yeah, I told a joke about you. Oh. <laughs> it was, actually wasn't a joke. I was just trying to mess with you. <laughs> we have to be intentional just like this lady. She makes a room. That's stage one. She gets him there. She makes a room. She fills the room. She fills the room so he can be comfortable. Why does she want him comfortable? Why is that such a big deal? You are going to pray longer. You're going to worship longer. You're going to stay longer in a comfortable position. It's good to be on your knees or lay down or sit in your comfortable. You know why she did all that to that room? So he could be comfortable, yes. But what did she want? She wanted the presence of God. And if that man was there on his knees praying in comfort, there was, if he wanted to read the scrolls, there was a light there. That's a big deal back then. It wasn't a small thing to have light at nighttime. She made an effort. She said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be so intentional. If he wants to open the word of God, those scrolls, and read it at 10 o'clock at night, he can do it. That is how we usher in. That is how we welcome the presence of the Lord. Oh, that's good stuff. Thank you, Lord. Let's keep looking at this. She found the deep well, a strategic well, and she made it flow right through her house, right through her life. So what's going to happen when the presence of the Lord is in the place? The supernatural is going to happen. It has to. It's God. It's holy. It wasn't Elisha that impressed her. That's not what it was. It wasn't about her wanting to hang out with this guy. That's not what it was. It was the presence of God on his life. That's what it was. Let's keep looking. Verse 13. So he's just enjoyed her hospitality and service and all these things. He says, look, what can we do for this lady? What can we do for her? She's been such a blessing. And I'm going to tell you, he's a circuit traveling preacher. He was usually giving. It wasn't, doesn't seem like everyone's wanting to help him. He's trying to minister and give, and she's the opposite. She's a unique spirit and person. Verse 13. So he brings her in. He says, ask her, do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? Look, you've been so faithful, been so good. Look, I'll put you on Fox News at 8 o'clock. Is that what you? <laughs> I don't know what else illustration. Is that what you want? Look, you just kind of on the little corner of Israel here. Do you want to be known in all of Israel? Do you want the protection of the army? Do you want the king to know who you are in case the invading army comes north? In case there's a problem? Oh, no, no, no. Thank you. Thank you, Elisha. But God's been faithful and good to me. He's my protector. He's my reward, like my father Abraham. I am happy and content with what God has given me and what I've been doing in life. Oh, that's some humility, especially when they say, I'll give you whatever you want. Number three on your notes. Contentment is the key to a spiritual harvest. I'm good. I dwell among my people. Look, I've been helping this community I've been helping this area, and I'm happy to be here. I know this is where God has me. 
you will find great confidence in your life and great contentment when you are where God has you. It is, isn't it unhappy, a miserable place to know you're not where God has you? Yeah, you're like, this, is, this isn't it. This isn't it. She, was, she knew this is where God had her, and she was happy and content. Real usefulness to God is very different thing from the apparent greatness of this world. Real usefulness to God is apparently a very different thing than what the world calls great, right? Let's look at the New Testament, Testament scripture for this. Never connected this. Luke 3, 12, John the Baptist speaking. Then tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? What do we do? We're tax collectors. And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Well, that sounds familiar. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, And what shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely. And to what? What does that say? Be content with your wages. You want to know how to have an audience with Jesus? What is John the Baptist doing? Is he preparing the way, making it straight for the coming of the Lord? Is that right? He's preparing the hearts of mankind. He says, look, even though you're a tax collector, that is the worst position to have in, in relation to Israel. Even though you're a Roman soldier, you look like the enemy. If you will turn your heart and bend your knee and be content, I'm going to tell you, you'll have a God encounter. Right? There will be supernatural that comes to you. You be content with your wages and you will have a spiritual harvest. Content in the physical, God will do something supernatural. That is the picture in the New Testament. Look what James says here also. So when do we lose this contentment? When do I lose my contentment? What's right here in James 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and what does that say? Self-seeking in your hearts. Do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, even can be influenced by the demonic. We lose it when we go into self-seeking. And this lady said, nope, I am content and I know that a spiritual harvest will come. Let's keep looking here. Verse 16 of 2 Kings. So she goes, no, I'm good. I dwell among my people. And then Gehazi speaks up. I wonder why he was so quick the servant, not Elisha, just the servant, why he was so quick to want to help this lady. I'm going to tell you why. I bet you that godly woman treated him with just the same love and honor and respect as a man of God, right? The servant says, what can I do? Now, why do you think a servant would do that? I know why. Because she loved and honored and served even the servant. See, now that's my Savior. You have done it unto me if you've done it unto the what? Least of these. So Gehazi wants to do something. I heard 
She doesn't have a son. She doesn't have any children. And her husband's old. Even though in this culture it was considered a curse to be barren. It was not considered a bad thing. It was considered a curse by God to be barren. I'm not saying it is, not in every culture, uh, in every situation for sure, but in this culture it was. So even though she has the worst lot in life, you could say, she is blowing it up. Is she making lemons out of lemonade? Uh, I'm sorry, lemonade out of lemons, is she? Yes? Y'all are like, wait, he said that. <laughs> Look, I have a bunch of kids, all right? I even say their names wrong. That's what she's doing in her life. And because she's doing that, even the servant saying, how do I help this lady? Verse 16. She walks into the doorway of the little house she's built for him. Of the bed, the chair that she put there that he could sit in. And because he's been there praying and seeking the Lord, as his, it's what he does. She, ste- she steps in the doorway And Elisha says, then he said, about this time, or literally this season, next year, you shall embrace a son. About this season next year, you're going to have the greatest joy you could probably have in life, or one of them. That's a beautiful word of wisdom and knowledge she had to grab and that came to her. And she grabbed it, and it hit her so hard, she couldn't hardly believe it. I was thinking about that word of knowledge, that prophecy in the Old Testament, in that well-type culture, that deep spiritual well. It wasn't going on everywhere. It was with Elisha. I was thinking about how precious that is and how we as Christians, and especially me, God could speak to me next week, and I'm like, come on, I want to hear the word of the Lord this week. Come on, give me a relevant. Come on, I got I to gotta speak, I got to preach, I got to whatever, right? And that's good. I'm supposed to desire spiritual gifts. All of us are, right? That's a good and right thing. But I, got, I began to think about how precious the whispers of the Holy Spirit have been in my life and in your life. I began to think about how we need to hold them as the most dear thing we have, more than any financial achievement, more than any relational achievement. When we have the Lord whisper or lean on us, or maybe a prophetic word, or word of wisdom, or word of knowledge, or just a clear God encounter. Y'all with me? Number four, inspiration by the Holy Spirit is a precious reward. It is a precious thing, isn't it? Don't we view life very different? I want you to take just a minute. I'm going to do a, a, just take a minute and close your eyes. I want you to go back to the first time you felt the presence of God in your life. Or the first time he whispered to you. Or maybe someone prophesied over you or spoke a word of knowledge over you. I'm going to go back there too. Go back to it. Think about it. Rehearse it in your mind. Now let's all thank the Lord together. Lord, thank you for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in our life. 
thank you so much. We pause our life, this service, to think about how precious it is that you encountered us, that you came to us in various ways, in various times, and we know who you are by your own encounter, by your own voice. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen? Isn't that so good to think about how precious it is, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Well, I get news feeds like you guys because I'm an information junkie, and I was flying through. And I, I, read, I like to read personal stories and stuff, and the reason I read them is because I've always been looking for sermon illustrations. Okay, I don't even necessarily want to know all the news. I just want a sermon illustration, and I happen to get this one. So this lady, let me see her name, Jody Messina, Mancina. She is a country music singer. I'm not into country music that much, but she is. What happened was she was a Christian years ago and had never changed that. But if you live in a, in a Hollywood environment, I can't imagine how difficult it is to be a Christian. But what happened was her life's falling apart. 2017, she gets cancer, um, and everything's going bad. These are her words. Her words. It's just happened. She's sitting on her front porch. She knew Christ as Savior. She's sitting on her front porch. She has money, she has all this, but her life is shambles, a mess. Divorce, she's got two kids, she has cancer, she's less than 50, all this stuff. She told this to the media, this is why I believe it's true, because things like this ruin your career. When you come and say, God spoke to me, people, it usually ruins your career, so I'm pretty sure God spoke to her. She said, I'm sitting there on my front porch, just crying out to God. She said, I felt the presence of the Lord so strong, like Jesus was standing next to me. And I, I heard him say, nope, she's mine. She's mine. She said, in that moment, everything changed. My despair was gone. My outlook on life, gone. She, the next song she recorded was a Christian song. In fact, it was Reckless Love. That's, that's what, that was it. No, she's mine. I'm going to tell you. All of Hollywood, all the Grammys, all the whatever, all that other can't do anything for you. It, what changes you is the Spirit of God that comes by the blood of Jesus and it whispers to you and that'll change your life. Amen? That's what happened to her. God's, this just happened. God's doing that. He's moving in our culture, in our society, even in um, country music settings. Praise God. He's moving. Let's keep going here. Let's finish this out. Thank you, Lord. So he says, this time next year, this season next year, you're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In fact, you're going to be holding it in your hands. Now I tell you, it's amazing that she left her blessing up to the Lord and didn't say, yes, I would like a two o'clock meeting with the king. She could have, and it would have been good, but when you give it to God, it's great. If you're single in here, look at me now. You give your life to God, your love life to God. Doesn't matter if you're 15 or 55. You give it to Him and He'll make it beautiful. You give your relationships to Him and He will make it beautiful. You may be even able to do good. He'll make it great. Just want to encourage you in that. I know what I'm talking about, all right? He will make it great. Let's keep looking. So this is a godly woman. This is a mature woman. All of these things. But the word of the Lord hits her so hard, she actually 
staggers or stutters or steps back. And what is the first words out of her mouth? And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. This is not so much disbelief. That's not the Hebrew picture. You ever, um, y'all ever watch the people who win Publishers Clearinghouse? Right, you know, they got the big giant check and the balloons and the, and the, and I know there's been some fake ones done, so people are a little weary, but the, the real ones. And they go to their door and they're all dressed up and they got their mics and they knock on the door, the big million dollar check or whatever. And the lady or the old man opens the door and they almost pass out and fall out. And what's the number one thing they always say every time? No, I can't believe this. No, I can't believe it, right? That's what she does. It's just too much. I can't believe I won Publishers Clearinghouse. Is that thing even real? I don't even know. I've never met anyone. That's what she does. She staggers at the goodness of God. She wavers, the Bible says, by what's going on in our heart and our mind. There's a warning for us here, for me, in every season. Number five on your notes. Be on your guard against unbelief. even if you've been saved 50 years, even if you've been in ministry, even if the man of God lives in your house. We as Christ followers, that, that old unrenewed mind sometimes, sometimes our flesh wants to get weak and stagger at the things of God. Oh, don't lie to me now. This is too much for me to handle. Is this real? We have to be on our guard against unbelief, especially in this culture. This is an unbelieving culture. To even say God is good or God speaks to you, that, that marks you as a crazy person. That's contrary to the Bible. God spoke 22 times in Genesis chapter 1. He's a speaking God. So if I say God spoke to me, that shouldn't be a crazy thought. A couple scriptures as we end here. Psalm 141. Look at this. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Tell you the number one thing I want to watch out for in my life is unbelief is a lack of trusting God, believing in his goodness, in his promises. Watch what his words, the la- his last words in 1 Timothy chapter 6 are. Look at this. Oh, Timothy! What's that little thing after that? Is that an exclamation point, right? Even the exclamation point is inspired by the Holy Spirit. That exclamation point is inspired by God. Guard what was committed to your trust, avoid the profane and idle babbling and contradictions of which is falsely called knowledge. The philosophies of this world, contrary to the word of God, is what brings unbelief in your life. Whether it's educational, whether it's relational, whatever it is you spend so much time, the Bible says avoid that. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you, though, and amen. Amen? Let's stand up. That worship was so good, I was just enjoying the presence of God. We didn't have service last week. Missed you guys. But I was, and it was a busy week. We had camp and all those things. And you get, you're just running so fast, you forget, oh, I can just stop for 20 minutes 
just get in his presence or he will just write and adjust everything. Well, he's better than a good chiropractor. He can just align you back up. Amen. Let's just spend a few more minutes. I need my heart aligned. I need my, my mind aligned. I, I don't want to stagger in unbelief, but be strong in the Lord like the patriarchs were, like Hebrews says, and trust in the, every promise of God because they are yes and amen. So let's do that for a few more minutes. together ask the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit thank you you sealed us when we were saved you sealed us the Bible says and we know that you are ours and we are yours through the blood of Christ we love you God the Father we exalt you God the Son we invite you God the Holy Spirit right now just invite you It doesn't come naturally. We'll prepare a place for you to come into our lives and in our homes. Oh, we want it, Lord. We need it. Spend some time with you.
This week was a good week as far as drawing nigh unto God, and then he draws nigh unto us. I was just feeling like, you know, Lord, I just feel like you're distance. I'm not as close to you as I need to be. Of course, his grace is sufficient. Yesterday morning, as I was reading the word outside, I just started worshiping him. And it was so good to be in his presence, be close to God. You know, if we fellowship with them and we desire his presence, he's going to be with us. And he's going to continue to cleanse us and strengthen us. When Brother Stephen said, what was the first thing God ever spoke to you? First thing he ever told me was, it's either me or the drugs. You can't have both. And I was totally set free from drugs by the power of the living God. And first time I realized, wow, this is real. God spoke to me on the inside. He's a real God. And he continued to speak all these years, 46 years, 47 years. I knew I was supposed to pray for you guys, with you guys today. And so I prepared all week. And I got a lot of good scriptures to share. This morning when I was in the presence of the Lord as he was here, so strong. This is what he said. 
My presence is here to meet the needs of each one of you individually. I want you to close your eyes. And this is what he said. The greatest need that you have in your life, the greatest desire that you have in your life, whether it's direction for a new job, financial blessing, a loved one to be saved, physical healing, whatever it is, what's the greatest need that you have in your life? Because Jesus is here to meet it. Not only does he want to meet the need in your life, in your family, whatever it is, he's going to do it today. And you're going to see the fruit because you serve the living God. He's a personal God. He loves each and every one of us in particular. He's going to meet your need today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for meeting us where we are today. It's not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And we belong to you. Therefore, we say, yes, Lord, yes. We receive from you today our greatest need being met. And we say thank you. We love you and worship you, Lord, because you're alive. And we thank you for your presence going with us today as we leave and all this week that we can draw closer into you and that we can look for the opportunity to be a blessing to others and that we can look for the opportunity to change 1%. In Jesus' name.